Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, August 2nd, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we walk through a process for modern web development using responsive design, CSS3, and copious amounts of progressive enhancement. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. <laughs> uh, Got it right that time. Yeah. Dear listener, I can never get the dates right. But I did. We finally did. It only took three takes. Yeah. Well, the second one was my fault. I was too busy laughing at you. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, the, all is forgiven because uh, you're dialing you. in from vacation. I to am. The podcast. Yes. For the dear listener. And it does sound, it, it, the whole atmosphere just sounds relaxed in the background. It is. It's very nice. I almost set out on the deck tonight, but it's a little bit cool. Hmm. So I thought I would just, you know, come inside and hide in the the office in the basement. Nice. Well, uh, I'm not on vacation. I'm sorry. Slogging along, but at least we have gorgeous weather here, so I'm not complaining. Uh, Oh, that's good. Break from the heat. Finally, uh, had a nice day, uh, Spring Cooper with the hose after I got home. That from was work, fun. So. fun. Yeah, we tossed Kira in the lake again. So <laughs> it was it was much warmer during the day. Cool. All right. Well, let's have at it. Um, just a, a tiny bit of housekeeping. I haven't actually run this by Kelly yet, but um, I discovered recently that Firefox is going to start natively supporting uh, MP3 for the audio tag. Mm-hmm. which is something that they were um, tooth and nail fighting for maybe something like five years because the uh, H.264 MP4 format, it's all confusing to me, but um, all that stuff is uh, encumbered and they have to pay royalties to use it or something. Yeah. So they didn't want to do it. And, you know, Google was going to gallop to the rescue with, I think WebM, some new format, and so anyway, they they basically they just natively support Augtheora, which is um, which is why every week I generate both an MP3 and an Aug file for the podcast. But uh, once the new Firefox, I don't know which version it is, but when Firefox does support it, I think I'm going to stop doing the Aug files. So if um, yeah, just because they're huge, yeah, I mean it's like doubles the size on the server yeah. for everything, and. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at our if you look at our traffic, there's like virtually no one coming to the site and listening actually to the. I mean, it's like a minuscule amount of traffic, and I imagine most people don't listen to the podcast in Firefox on the desktop anyway. <laughs> Probably not. I think uh, the, the people that I know that listen to it all do it through iTunes. Yeah. So, uh, so dear listener, this is your warning. If you don't like the idea of this, then I'll keep on doing it. But if I don't hear from anyone. Uh, we're just going to switch to straight MP3s. So there you have it. And that is the final word. <laughs> unless <laughs> unless the, we change our minds. Unless the dear listener complains. Yeah. Happy to keep doing it if, if even one person wants me to. But if yes. no one cares, then I'm not going to keep doing it. <laughs> Save myself uh, 15 minutes every week. Yeah. Ripping and uploading. Yes, and a little bit of space on S3. Yeah, yep, exactly. Uh, cool. So earlier today, while you were gallivanting around, uh, I did a um, 
a webinar for O'Reilly. I do them every month, usually on the, I think it's the third Thursday of the month. Mm -hmm. And the topic this month was uh, modern web development with progressive enhancement, uh, responsive web design, and CSS3. And it was uh, by a significant margin the best attended uh, webinar I've done for them. There was like, I don't know how many people actually attended, but there were close to 2,000 people signed up for it. Oh, nice. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, people from all over the world, they were listing off the cities to me. It was nuts. So obviously, uh, it, the, the title kind of struck a nerve, and I did some, uh, I did a, you know, not ton of work, but I did a fair amount of work um, building up a GitHub repo that kind of walks through my uh, process when I'm working on a new thing. And I uh, thought I'd mention it on the podcast. Yes, yes. I was looking at that earlier. Briefly, I, I, I briefly, I started looking at it, then I got distracted by fun. <laughs> so. Are you saying reading through my GitHub commits isn't fun? <laughs> no, I'm saying it's not as fun as, as you know, being on vacation in the middle of a, at a, at a on a lake. Exactly. So. Well, I can't blame you. Yeah. So, um, the, the big picture here is very much in tune with things we've said in the past. Um, that, you know, we're all about interoperability and cross-platform development. Not just web, but web is obviously a gigantic component of cross-platform development. And uh, when you are developing for the web uh, and you want to get the, you know, you want to, the, the nice thing about the World Wide Web is it has that wonderful worldwide audience. And if you want to reach the, the largest portion of the worldwide audience, you need to make sure that your content, at the very least, is accessible to all those people. And I think it's fair to say that uh, most web professionals, uh, up to maybe the last five or ten years, uh, would basically get a new project and they would say, okay, I'm going to do this website. And they'd crack open Photoshop and create a 960 pixel wide document and yeah. start slapping widgets and navigation and logos and uh, forms and logins and all, all these things into the, you know, where should I put this? Where should I put that? And there's a very canvas first mentality um, where, you know, even though that was uh, kind of misguided because of course everyone's got a different size computer and people can resize their computer, uh, sorry, their browser windows. But <clears throat> as a community, we all kind of, you know, started 800 by 600 and then it was like 1024 by 768. We're like, ah, that's probably, that's probably a minimum reasonable resolution yeah. for anybody I care about. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you still see it some, but definitely the trend is dying off. Yes, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so the, the approach, the sort of default approach that um, I personally take when a new project is coming in is like default to a, uh, a sort of small screen first mobile mobile first approach where the even if I'm given a desktop design I'm going to think about it from the small screen first uh, and if if I wasn't given a narrow view of the layout I'll just kind of come up with one and uh, extrapolate kind of from there up to the design I was given and try and make everything uh, work and so um, in the last I guess the the end of last year, the beginning of this year, I did a, uh, a th two or three projects where I had to do basically the same thing, which was um, help a team on a responsive redesign of uh, a couple really 
highly trafficked websites and uh, and do the javascript for them and in, in every case there was a sort of carousel slash slideshow kind of image gallery thingy and uh, we wanted to make a, a sort of purpose-built one from scratch for each of these different customers and not just grab some jquery plugin you know yeah yeah i know when you were talking to me about it we looked at several jQuery plugins and there were a lot that were similar but you ended up kind of rolling your own in both cases right and I should mention that I, I don't necessarily even use jQuery by default on most projects but these particular projects had to have jQuery installed for other reasons so I was like oh well we have to use jQuery so let's just see if there's a good slideshow plugin that would work for this and invariably um, the things that we came up with were like you know I'm going to end up fighting this as much as it helps yeah so I said, no big deal. I'll just do it from scratch. So since I had done several of those and uh, I really kind of, I feel like I have that under my belt from a process standpoint uh, for the webinar, what I did was I sort of created a fake web page that has some lorem ipsum content and a header and a footer and all that and a bunch of paragraphs. And then it's got this inline slideshow uh, sort of wedged in the middle of it. And uh, I start with uh, basically an HTML only version of it. And then uh, kind of layer in some styles, layer in some very simple JavaScript, uh, layer in some more complicated JavaScript, start doing feature detection to put even more sophisticated JavaScript and, and CSS3 in, and sort of work it uh, from the bottom up like that. Right. Right. And the, my, my first thought when you were telling me that earlier was, um, I, think it's, I think it's kind of easy to to sort of fool yourself into thinking you're doing the sort of progressive enhancement approach because maybe you do sort of building things in layers. Maybe you do your, your HTML first and then you do a layer of CSS and then some JavaScript. And But um, it gets to a point where you could say, okay, well, now everything works without JavaScript and now I'm going to add the JavaScript. But if you don't, you know, if you're not careful... Maybe you've added JavaScript. There's still a you know there's a browser out there that supports JavaScript, but not the particular um, functions or features you're using. And then suddenly it's suddenly it you know it is broken for for that browser. Right, right. So and I feel like I said JavaScript 800 times in the last minute. So. <laughs> it's I've absolutely had that experience um, with BlackBerry and also the early, the first Kindle Fire, where yeah. it will either erroneously. Re report that it has support for something or it kind of does have support for the thing but it's so crappy that it'd be better if we just downgraded the experience to the level below right, right. so if you think about if you if you if you imagine getting like a photoshop mock-up of a desktop design and you're like okay i'm just going to build this and you build it, you know, exactly as is. And then you start thinking about, um, and you get all the interactions and all the, all the widgets and all the animations. You get everything the way you want on the desktop. And then you go and you say, okay, I'm going to make sure this works everywhere, IE, old IE, all that stuff. Okay, now I'm going to start doing it smaller. And then stuff starts breaking like crazy. And yeah. you're like... Uh, you go to fix it and then the stuff that you fix breaks the desktop version that was working and <clears throat> and then you get it even smaller and you're like oh man like my html i really should have done the source order in a different way and it it ends up yeah you just end up debugging everything at once yeah you're working against yourself oh it's a nightmare 
it's such a nightmare. And we, we've said a million times on the show, it's like you have to start small and work your way up. And that doesn't just mean window width. This is also, especially when you, you know, it will link to the, the GitHub repo of this uh, example file in the show notes so you can take a look at it. But it's not just the, the width and the layout. It's also the, the capabilities mm-hmm. of the browser. If you, you need to start, and, and that's why I don't usually say mobile first. That's why I usually say start small and work from the most the most crappiest device you can think yeah. of. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of mobile devices are much more capable than a lot of bad mobile devices. Yeah, and some mobile devices are more capable than desktop browsers. Right, right. So some older desktop browsers. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a combination of it's it's funny because when I went through this, I'm so used to doing it that I'm like, oh, this will make perfect sense to everyone. <laughs> but then I go through it, I'm like, wow, I'm really jumping around a lot between the HTML, the CSS, and the JavaScript, and uh, I felt like I was building up an onion almost or like going around mm-hmm. to this cycle or a, a Nautilus shell where I just keep going around in this circle, like, you know, HTML and some CSS and a little bit of JavaScript and then back to the HTML and then back to the CSS and back to the JavaScript. And it, yeah. and it builds this incredibly strong structure that but by the time you get to the top, you can really deliver a polished sort of magical, sexy experience to, you know, the latest you know, Samsung X, S4 or whatever, Galaxy S4. Uh, but if somebody comes bonking in there on a, an older BlackBerry or like a, even, God, I don't know, a Symbian device, they're still going to get like, a, they're still going to be able to get your content. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, mean, I feel like we're, we've talked about this all the time, but I don't know if we've talked about it in a while. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we have. Um, but yeah, once once I've adopted this this sort of same approach um i find uh and i end up jumping around a lot too um which i guess could kind of look confusing if you're not familiar with it but i find that overall the overall process it's it's not necessarily faster but the thing like it feels i mean you could you could argue that it's slower and that it's more work but it feels until you get to Easy, testing, it feels easier. Yeah, yeah, and it feels easier because it's just such a it's such a logical progression mm-hmm. that it everything just ends up making so much more sense and it's so much more organized. Yeah, it does have that sort of like very one step at a time plotting kind of approach, mm-hmm. where you're never writing a huge bunch of stuff at once. You just write like you just like a little bit here, a little simple thing there, a little simple thing there. And it, there's like no way it will break in any anything that yeah. could co- possibly call itself a web browser. <laughs> and then you just add a little bit, and then you say, okay, if you can do CSS uh, opacity, then please do. Then please do some of this for me. So let me kind of walk through um, the commits and see if see if it's a little tricky doing this just in an audio only format, but. I walk through the commits I can kind of um, pull up any I think points that are worth discussing Um, but and all of this is is like my default approach I would certainly deviate from this uh, at times if there's a particular reason there could be all sorts of reasons or business rules to deviate from this uh, all kinds of different things but my general default is to want to go down a path like this which starts with uh, just a nice semantic HTML only version of the content right that's uh, that's where i always start 
Yeah. And it's funny because I, from the very beginning, that was, uh, that was how I always did it. I always just, I couldn't start with Photoshop. I was never that guy. I had to like get us because uh, I probably because I'm a database guy. I had to get this, yeah. the content structured before I could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been the same way for a lot of years. I'll still occasionally jump to Photoshop. Like if I just need to modify an, an existing layout and want to show, I don't know. I mean, there's, there, there are various circumstances where I do just kind of jump to Photoshop to mock something up quickly, but yeah, I'm same way. HTML first. Yeah. And so the nice thing about HTML, and I mean pure, no no CSS, nothing, just HTML. The nice thing about it is it's responsive by default, and it's going to um, it's going to play nice with the crappiest of web browsers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to play nice with um, Google's spiders or SEO robots. It's going to play nice with screen readers. Uh, it's easy to parse if somebody wants to kind of use it as your API. If you don't also have an API. There's all kinds of benefits of having a really nice, clean uh, HTML structure. And I admit that sometimes when you get farther down the path and you're trying to implement some crazy design that someone did create in Photoshop, sometimes you have to mess around with your HTML source order because it would just be too much heavy lifting to, to rearrange things with JavaScript later, but I try and avoid that whenever possible. Yeah. So after uh, the HTML... Uh, the next thing I do is I add in some very basic CSS styles, usually stuff like uh, first thing I almost always do is like uh, fonts and colors and um, uh, and, I, and I kind of put them in at a narrow width. So I'm looking at a very narrow width because mm-hmm. I'm going to put in some min width media queries eventually, uh, but I want to. Uh, again, think of the weakest browsers first, and if they don't support media queries, then this is the style sheet they're going to get. So I want to make sure that it's, you know, it's got good line height, the fonts look nice, there's good contrast on the colors, the links are obvious, like the, the calls to the calls to action are evident, all that sort of basic stuff. Yeah. And uh, I suppose I could take a quick aside for... Um, probably the, this the the fact that I do this is probably the reason why I never ever use CSS resets uh, because they you end up having to put back in a bunch of stuff that the browser does by default beautifully uh, and and I don't know I just I, the the browser res- the CSS resets are I'm just not a fan of yeah I have I have one that I've been using for a while that's um, kind of my own creation but it is it's extremely minimal. Yeah, I mean, I see the I see the advantage of it because when you do get into more complicated stuff, it gets super wacky. Um, you know how uh, you know when you know, like padding starts stacking up weird and it gets out of control. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I definitely deviate from that sometimes, but I I never include a reset. I I don't start off like a lot of people. That's another thing that people just do first. They just bang throw in a CSS reset. I'm like. Ugh. Now what are you going to do? You're going to go back in and, and fix all your, your unordered lists and everything else. Like, <laughs> come on, do it all manually. It's like, let the browser do what it's good at. Yeah. So uh, what you end up with at that point is um, something that is, is incredibly easy to read and nicely formatted uh, for a narrow screen. And if you zoom it up, you know, or you increase your window width, you end up with like really long line lengths 
And if you wanted to at this stage, um, I didn't do it in the example, but at this stage, I would probably also add in some media queries to shift the layout around a little bit, maybe add some columns, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, actually, in, in practice, I usually just make the text way bigger and <laughs> leave it a single <laughs> column. I, I'm not yeah. a fan of grid systems, so... Yeah, sometimes I think you get a little too big with your text, but hey. Yeah, I, I'm and trying to... Coming, I'm, from, coming from the blind girl. Make your text smaller. I'm trying to create a lean-back experience. <laughs> <laughs> a lean-back experience. Yeah, sit back from the screen, relax. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I'll do that. Actually, I'm, I'm on vacation now, so I should check it out and see if it's still too big. Yeah, I, I did downsize it a little bit after you mentioned it. It is pretty big, but I if you if you lean back, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks awesome on TV. <laughs> So at any rate, so then at this point, you've got a nice semantic HTML that would be fine on its own, uh, or at least consumable. And then you could do some, some simple, and I'm talking like a, maybe a hundred lines of CSS, just simple yeah. stuff, colors, fonts, line heights, maybe yeah, a little basic, bit of padding here and there. Yeah. Basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's really all my reset is. That's cool. I wouldn't even some call that a reset. Some, yeah. It's, it's just some basic, some basic typography and the, the box model fix and yeah that's um, nice like tap highlights and stuff yeah yeah that's more of a boilerplate to me that's not really yeah. a reset well i guess it is yeah yeah reset is when you basically take all margin and padding and everything right, off right, of everything right. and so yeah i'm totally cool with that like i there are a couple things i do in every single css style sheet like i set, i make sure to set the selection i you know mm-hmm. uh one thing one thing i've been thinking about doing lately is um only allowing so usually i'll go in and i'll I'll add uh rules for links on you know uh, actual pseudo selectors for link uh what is it link hover um no it isn't it's link active active and whatever the the four of them are and uh i'm finding that if you are if you are and I'm sure you are, if you're testing or planning for anyone to ever use this on mobile, Hover is actually more trouble than it's worth because it behaves yes. so strangely uh, in different browsers. So I'm thinking about um, from now on uh, taking a sort of modernizer approach and just adding Hover on under no touch and uh, just not using it at all on, um, either not using it at all or only using it on non-touch interfaces but that's kind of tricky because then like what does windows show up windows 8 show up as yeah yeah Uh, and in fact on one of these big projects we took all the hovers out of the css because they're too hard to control and you can't programmatically set a hover you can't tell an object that you're hovering over it because then you could create really strange things Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a mouse only thing it's a read only thing basically so uh we changed everything to like JavaScript version. So like on mouse over, on mouse out, all that stuff. Yeah, actually, I just recently did the same thing on an app I'm working on because mm-hmm. it was just hover was just getting weird on mobile. Yeah, it felt it feels very dreamweavery to do that, but um, but hover is hover is is difficult to make it behave. So anyway, um, so moving right along, the next thing I did was like, okay, what I'm trying to do here is create a slideshow of images. So I had five images, and in the in the plain HTML version, so if somebody's in this real crap browser, what they're going to see is an ordered list or an unordered list of uh, of images with captions. So right. you know, so if if they don't have good CSS and they don't have good JavaScript options, they can at least see the the five photos. So the next thing I did was like, all right, I want to collapse this down because it is kind of long to have these five big full-width photos. 
So next thing I did was I just oriented them. Uh, I set each of the LIs to display inline block. Mm-hmm. And then I set the the uh, wrapper around that, the unordered list, uh, to white space no wrap, which you know does exactly what it sounds like. It doesn't let mm-hmm. the doesn't let the text or in this case the LIs wrap. So uh, and, the, and then I had a wrapper around that, which with overflow hidden and horizontal scrolling overflow uh, uh, overflow X overflow set to X scroll. scroll right yeah. So what that does with like 10 lines of CSS is it gives you uh, a horizontal version of the list that scrolls left and right really nicely yeah, uh, for free. Like you practically did nothing. There's no JavaScript. It looks like you did something awesome, but you really, it was really easy. And in fact, um, it, it works great in the desktop and in uh, Android, at least on 4.3, I didn't test on 4.2. But uh, you even get like nice rubber band momentum scrolling uh, on the on that phone. But on iOS and other phones, you can scroll it, but it doesn't have the momentum scrolling. So like as soon mm-hmm. as you take your finger off the screen, it stops dead. Yeah, which feels very broken. Uh, but fortunately, our friends at Apple uh, have uh, a there's a a. CSS rule called I always get it wrong. It's WebKit overflow scroll. Web Overf- pi- WebKit overflow. Uh, WebKit overflow scroll. Scroll and touch. if you set it to touch, it will behave like you would expect on a touch device. Yes, and it looks very nice. Yeah, it's like you look like a rock star. Yeah. So if you do that, uh, it, it'll look amazing in a whole bunch of places, desktop and mobile. And if it and if the particular device doesn't have support for that, it'll still scroll. Uh, it just won't be like super sexy. So you can still get access to the content, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then after that, uh, I added a couple of media queries just to prove to the audience that this that the the slideshow itself would is like a sort of discrete object that you could place anywhere on the screen uh so i just floated it hard right and had the the paragraph text kind of wrap around it um so they could see the difference so they could see that it would work in a responsive context where maybe you did switch to a two or three column layout uh farther down the road or if you had done that earlier uh, that it would work uh and then let's see then i started writing javascript um, and in the JavaScript, what I did was I, I, I did include jQuery cause I figured, um, for educational purposes with that many people on the call, I figured it was a safe bet that anybody that knew JavaScript at all would also be able to read jQuery mm-hmm. and maybe the reverse wouldn't be true. So people who are good with jQuery might have a lot of questions about raw JavaScript. So. You know, I, I basically said to people, like, I wouldn't normally just slap jQuery in here to use for the things that I'm using here, but, uh, it, and if you are the same way, I'm sure you can figure out how to write this without jQuery. Yeah. So, wasn't advocating using it all the time, I was just sort of saying, like, for educational purposes, this makes the code a lot easier to read. Yeah. Um, so, basically what I did there was, um, uh, I just, at this point, I said, okay, now I'm going. Now that I've got JavaScript into the mix, uh, and I also included Modernizer in the head, which I've been doing more and more. Um, 
but you could just use pieces of modernizer if you want. But the point is that when you do include modernizer, what it, it does is it's a, in case you don't know, it's a JavaScript library that, um, you include in the head of your document and it, uh, basically tests your browser for a huge laundry list of features and it either finds the feature or it doesn't. And then in the HTML tag, it adds cl uh, class names for the results of those um, inspections. Yeah. And then you can just style your CSS under those classes. Exactly. So in the raw HTML for the page, so the, basically the, the naked HTML, I have a class in the... Um, in the HTML tag that says no JS, no dash JS. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when modernizer, if, if modernizer is included and actually runs, obviously there is JS. So it takes out that no JS and replaces it with JS. So that in your uh, CSS, I actually have a section that is totally prefixed with no dash JS. And then a bunch of styles that I only want to apply for that sort of crap browser. And then, um, or a browser that doesn't have JavaScript turned on. And then I have a whole section of stuff that uh, is pref prefixed with JS. And yeah. there was some overlap between those two sections and I could have refactored it to, um, to pull out those, those styles that were in common. And mm -hmm. I, in the real world, I probably would do that. But um, for the sake of discussion and for people who are just getting their heads around this, it was easier to just have two big blocks. This one is completely independent and you can mess with it for a Node.js experience. And this, this section is for the, uh, you know, a JS experience. So it was a little, little more, a little less dry, but a little more, yeah, yeah, a, little more a little more straightforward. Yeah. Less confusing. Yeah. See, this is, this is where to me something, something like um, SAS would be very useful. Yeah. I, and I had the exact same thought. I was like, Oh man, I just want to nest all this so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and have and then have mix-ins for the shared stuff and or whatever. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I was literally thinking the exact same thing when I was writing. I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> this is a perfect case for SAS because it's a big block of stuff with one common prefix. Yeah, it would have been it, it would be perfect for that. So, uh, so I am slowly I'm slowly. I mean, Christ, you got me to you got me to over to Rails. Don't try and get me to sass this. You're fast. sipping at the Kool Aid. Yes, I'm gonna. I still have to digest the the Rails gulp, <laughs> which I love, by the way. Oh my God, it's the best. Yes, I've been wanting a status update on that. We'll yeah. Talk about that at some point. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> so uh, in this sort of area, I said, okay, um, I've got. I do have JavaScript, so what can I do with JavaScript? So what I'm going to do with JavaScript is follow the same approach that Modernizer does, <clears throat> which is go back to my HTML and add in a, uh, I think the class is called No Fancy. Uh, <laughs> so I put No Fancy on the slideshow itself, the slideshow element. So if JavaScript mm -hmm. never gets a chance to run, <clears throat> the No Fancy styles are in effect. And, uh, and then if the JavaScript does run, it switches that to Fancy, and that makes the assumption that there's you know a whole bunch of um, other other uh, basically a long if statement evaluates to true. Yeah. And so so what you do is then you block out all of the fancy functionality that you're going to do in this if statement and you and in the if statement you basically check for everything you're going to use inside. 
So um, and it's a little bit oversimplified because sometimes you're going to have multiple multiple cases like you might have a, a, a crap JavaScript experience and a nice JavaScript experience. Uh, so you might have two different blocks in there or you might again, you might have overlap between the two. Um, but in, in this particular example, I checked for things like, uh, you know, opac does the browser support opacity? Yeah. Uh, does the uh, what was some of the other ones? Uh, transitions? Does it does it support transitions and a, a couple of other things? So once I check for that, if it fails, then they're just going to get the, um, you know, the experience up to that point, Yeah. which is the, uh, the sort of side scrolling one, or maybe they can't even handle that and they'll still be all the way back at the, just a, a flat list with some CSS on it. Um, but the beauty is I don't have to, I don't care. Like I don't, I don't need to know, you know, because it's just gonna, <laughs> if, if those features are there and they, the big assumption is that they work properly. So that's, that's where it gets a little sticky. Yeah. But if those features are there and, uh, you know, then all the code in, in the, in the center of it is going to work. And then, so inside that code, I did all sorts of things like, you know, I attached event listener to the, the slideshow itself. And anytime a, a click or event bubbled up to it, then I would say, okay, what got clicked? Oh, the next button. Okay. Do this. Or was it the slide itself? Okay. Hide all the, the Chrome bits of the slideshow. So you can see just the photo by itself. And then, you know, and then, uh, I didn't go this far in the example cause it was such a short, it was just like a, you know, 45 minute talk with questions and stuff. Uh, the next thing I would do is, uh, add, uh, swipe support. So if I would chest and say, Hey, is this a touch device? Oh, it is. Then, uh, if somebody swipes across the image, then, you know, go to the next or go to the previous. Mm -hmm. And then after that, as a separate step, I would do what I call sticky finger swipe which is as your finger is moving across the photo, the next it's sliding out and the next one is sliding in as if your finger yes. is sticky. Yes. And uh, what's interesting, I think, is that if you, if you, and that was, that was kind of where I left it off, but if you go through these, um, if you start at the bottom of the commits, and again, we'll link to it in the show notes, if you start at the bottom of the commits from the HTML only one and you work your way up to the top, you'll see that it's almost like it doubles in complexity every time. And had I gone to those two s subsequent steps of the, the, the touch support at all, and then mm -hmm. sticky finger swipe, you would see it a double again. It gets yes. incredibly complicated really, really fast just to add a little bit more functionality. Yes. So it's, if, if you had started with that, as most people tend to do, or I would say at least I think that's fair to say most people would tend to start with like, okay, here's the spec. I need to build this like swipe, sticky finger swipeable image gallery. And they go jump straight into it and they code it and they could code it a hundred, a thousand different ways, but only about five of those ways are going to degrade gracefully. <laughs> and it almost certainly won't be the one that they pick. So if they, if you, if they didn't start, uh, and build up into this, you know, this, this sort of, I don't know why I keep getting this onion yeah. metaphor, the Nautilus shell. Well, it, it is. It's like, an, it's like an, you're building an onion or, or maybe an ogre. <laughs> oh, what? An ogre. An ogre. Ogres are like onions. Never mind. <laughs> Can you hear the plane flying over my head? <laughs> yeah. That's not a Shrek reference, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, God. 
had to happen eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the point being is that if you if you started with the complex, if you don't start small and you start with the complex version, you're just going to be in hell. When yeah, because if to you test. try and work backwards from that, you're just you're going to want to jump off a cliff. Yeah. It's like you're going to be trying to, to nullify CSS styles one by one. You're going to be you're going to be changing stuff in the source HTML radically in the source HTML yeah. that it's going to break everything that you had working and tested in the desktop. You're just basically going to throw all your work out and start over and do it the way I'm yeah. suggesting anyway. Yeah. yeah, and then you're going to walk out of your office at two o'clock one morning and punch a hole in your kitchen wall. But yeah, you know, not that that's ever happened. Not that that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't take too many projects like that before you drink the Kool-Aid on this approach. Yeah. So I I genuinely hope that folks do uh, check out... Uh, the GitHub repo is called Modern Web. Uh, my, my, uh, it's github.com yes. slash Jonathan Stark slash Modern Web. And uh, we'll link to it in the show notes too. But it's... Um, yeah, and you can you can check out the individual commits. and Yeah, and you can see the difference. You, once you clone the repo... You can actually, I, I didn't go back and I didn't revert any history or anything. You can go back and actually see the order that I did everything. Yeah. Um, so it would be it would be so cool. There's this thing called uh, Code With Me or Watch Me Code or something like that. Um, that you, you get like a screencast of someone, a sped up screencast of someone just coding something. And it's super interesting. Uh, because as I'm sure you know, I'm sure you're like me, you don't just start at the top of a document and type to the bottom. You do this like almost like an outline, do the big pieces, and then you go drill back yeah. in and you refactor. And it's this very, uh, very nonlinear process. Yes. Uh, and it's also super helpful to see that, pe that people change their mind where they have. In fact, I do this in the commits where, I, where I'm, I'm working up to a particular point of stability and then as I add more stuff, some of the naming that I used for the classes previously didn't make as much sense. Mm -hmm. So I so I changed it in the new context, it made more sense. And in the old context, it made just as much sense with the new word. You know what I mean? But I just didn't yeah. think of it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I recently, oh, probably about a month ago at this point, did my, my first actual meaningful bit of, of pair programming. Oh, cool. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was just, it was really, really helpful to get in there and look at, watch someone else and, and see their thought process on, on things and, and that kind of stuff too. So, so yeah, what, watching other people code is fascinating. Yep, absolutely. It's kind of like, have you ever seen those like Photoshop, that, like tutorials where you see, like see someone draw an entire like portrait or something yeah. in Photoshop at high speed? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's the same thing, but with code, it's like super cool. So uh, I didn't do that though, <laughs> but you can you can kind of get it from uh, the commits. You can also see how long it took me because I I did it in two sittings, and you can see how fast it went at first. Like I cranked through like eighty percent of it in half the time, and then twenty percent yeah. of it took the rest of the time, uh, you know, approximately. <clears throat> Which is how every project goes anyway. Yes, that's for sure. But again, the beauty, it's like you said before, it will feel like you're going slow or you're sort of delaying the gratification of doing the really fun stuff until the end. But, and it probably will take you just as long as it would have if you went the disaster route, except for when it comes time to start testing. Yes. Once you start testing on different browsers, you'll, you'll 
it happens to me every time when you take this approach, you start testing on like random, you know, uh, Palm Pre. I'm like, oh my God, it works. This, this OS hasn't <laughs> been upgraded in five years and it totally, totally works. Nice. Yeah, it's the beauty. I mean, if, if, if you're a web professional, and I know you are, then um, <laughs> the, you know, it's the nature of the web. It's one of the strong points of the web is the backward compatibility. Yes. But, like pages that were written in the 80s are still they still work browsers will still render them mm-hmm. I can't say that I've personally written any of them but no I, I didn't get my start until 96 yeah I was even a later bloomer than that I was doing file maker then eek <clears throat> yeah I didn't start web I didn't start web uh, programming until I think 2003 or 4 oh wow yeah Yep, PH, I took the plunge in PHP and built 1225.com. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, databases are stupid. This MySQL is stupid. I'm gonna oh, gosh. Do- I, I had that same thought until about 1990, until, until around the year 2000. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I, I started out with just, like, HTML and crap in, like, 96. and But in uh, 98, as soon as, like, as soon as PHP 3 came out, I started learning PHP. Yeah. But my thought process until probably until probably about 2000 was databases are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had been using FileMaker, which is the easiest thing in the world to use. So, yeah. like, setting up a My, uh, MySQL server was, <clears throat> especially back then, it was not, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, and it wasn't really that easy. Yeah. It, it's easier now than it was then. So I was like, I mean, it's ridiculous now. You just, like, click a box on Amazon and, like, bang. Yeah. But, uh back then i was like so i built this whole it was a it's a it's still people still use it actually it's a, a sort of social um it's not really a social gift social gift list social kind of. yeah social wish lists that it, it's I, I think it's i i haven't seen anything like it yet really it's kind of cool but but i was no, like we should redo it yeah absolutely in our copious free time but uh that'll be my next rails project <laughs> but the uh, I did the entire database using the file system. Uh, yeah, I did that. I did a forum like that once. Yeah, it doesn't take long before you decide that's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, how do we do a join on the file yeah. system? <laughs> yeah, but there was there was actually a brief, however brief period of time there where things like that were you know actually desired by people other than just me. So. Yeah, like I, I, I remember, I remember no database required being a selling point. Well, yeah, it becomes very portable, and yeah. version control would be ki- killer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you you just can't do it. I mean, like it it was it was a low low transaction site, and still it was a mess. Yes. So I basically learned right when PHP four was coming out is when I started learning. And I uh, did that, and then I re- did rewrite it with uh, MySQL at one point. I never know if it's MySQL or MySQL. I always go back and forth. Yeah, I do too. It's like GIF, GIF. No, no, it's GIF. Uh, but that's not what people say. I don't care. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> well, you can feel very right over there. I know I'm in the minority, but that's what it is, and and that's what the guy who created the format says it is. And yeah, but he's just... wrong. But he's wrong. I I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care either, but I can't say GIF because it gives me a creepy feeling. 
Yeah, it makes me want peanut butter. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. It just feels like food. Yeah, mm, peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like guitar is hard G, giraffe is a soft G. There's just no. Yeah. Yeah, potato, potato. Anywho, so hopefully people will check out the uh, the uh, repo on GitHub and um, please feel free to hit either one of us with questions on Twitter. Yes. Yes, I, I may or may not answer for the next week. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I actually have it hosted on my site so you can actually see. Oh, I should put that in the readme. I didn't do that. Oh, yeah. But I've got links to each, each major commit. I've got links to uh, a live version of it so you can actually test it. Oh, that'd be a little easier than actually having to check out each individual commit. Yeah, I wish there was a way on GitHub to do that. It would be so cool if you could. Um, I mean, this is this is ridiculous. They would never. This is completely silly piece of functionality that they would never put in. But I, I often have that desire to just be able to, you know, I'm looking at a diff and I just want to like <laughs> preview, download a past I, commit. I, I want a preview button. I just like yeah, <laughs> just like host this for a second. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But that's that only makes sense for you know someone who's I'm because I'm always writing plain old JavaScript CSS and, and PHP you know, I had no PHP yeah. or anything like on the server side so you could actually get away with it but you know people host all kinds of code on there it would make yeah, no sense yeah. to of course now that you're a Rails guy now that I'm a Rails guy <laughs> I'm so cool I have like like I should I'm gonna get like a whole bunch of Rails gear and just wear it everywhere and be so cool yeah. I'm like you're not using Rails four what a loser. <laughs> <laughs> oh god nice. oh, I wouldn't touch uh, anything lower than Ruby 2 uh, <laughs> it's like you did that in cake PHP <laughs> I had to go through by the way I had to go through some code igniter code that you wrote the other day I'm and, sorry no no it's in that I was like oh no I have to I have to look at code igniter now that I'm a super cool rails guru uh-huh I was really dreading it yeah. And I went in and I'm like, you know, the syntax is god awful. Yes. You know, the the skinny arrows everywhere and the it's just god awful to look at. All the semicolons and the parentheses everywhere. But it's, it's just ugly. It's just but it, and that's exactly it. It's just ugly. It's fine, right. but it's ugly as hell. Yeah. It's such a it's such a subtle thing. It really adds up the cognitive load of looking at all of those like yeah. lines. It's so, ah, it's it's so dumb, but man, it really, really adds up. But I, but I, I was actually what I was going to say was that it's it's real. The code's super easy to like. Like if you get past the just the visual noise, it's mm -hmm. it's pretty good. I mean, it's fine. You can totally you know you. the models where they are and you can see where everything is and. Yeah, yeah. Um, learning learning uh, Ruby and and Rails specifically made me a better. A better developer overall, and then when I came back to PHP after doing Rails for a while, see, because I I did I did PHP for a lot of for a lot of years, and then did some Rails for a couple of years, and then went back to PHP, and and I have now gone back to Rails again. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, uh, going back to PHP after doing Rails, my my PHP development got like instantly just tons better. Yeah, I can see that. I can see why. Yeah, I mean they enforce they the Rails the framework enforces a lot of really good practices. I think. Yeah. So. Love it. <laughs> All right, so we could probably wrap there, I suppose. Alrighty. 
Um, did you have anything? Uh, I mean, I know you're basically checked out null and void. So is there anything you wanted to squeak uh, in before? Not, not a whole lot. I've got a, I've got a project that I've been working on for a, a long time that, um, that I can talk about now, but that may be best, maybe best left to next week. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do the whole show on it next week. Okay. That sounds cool. Cause it looked, I took a quick look at it. And it looks super cool and responsive. Love it. <laughs> it really <laughs> does you. look good. It really does look good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, cool. All right, folks. Uh, so that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the niche podcast. Bye. Bye.